Welcome to Foster Carolina's podcast, connecting the Carolinas to foster care. Welcome to Foster Carolinas with Susanna, your host. I'm so excited um, because we haven't done this in a hot minute and we've got some great guests, but I always like to present you with opportunities to serve children in foster care because everyone can do something. So we need sponsors for children in foster care. We have about 850 on our list. You can find those sweet angels list on our website at L-O-T carolinas.com and please read all of the directions on where you have to drop off the gifts and all of those things but please sponsor a kid and if you can't sponsor a kid and you want to volunteer or you want to do both that is also on our website so sign up to volunteer Um, we cannot do this without great volunteers and we've got lots of great opportunities out there Um, it's the weekend of december 4th so hopefully you are available that weekend just go check it out on our website now I don't know if many of you know this, but Bridge Camp, um, we do that every summer for kids in foster care, and we just have such a great time doing that, but we could not do it without our guests that are going to be on our podcast next. Um, The Joey Logano Foundation, him and his wife, Brittany, are just wonderful people, so join me um, as I talk to them more about why they got involved with children in foster care. So today we have Joey and his wife, Brittany um, Logano on our podcast. And guys, we are so excited to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. us. So y'all have been a longtime supporter of Least of These, and we are going to get to that. But first, we asked some folks, what kind of questions do you have for Joey Logano? And so I'm just going to kind of read those off and I'm going to ask you to answer those for us. So uh, Joey, when did you know that you would be a professional race car driver and how did you get into racing? Um, well, I, mean, I think when I was lucky enough to find my passion at a really young age, uh, which was cars, loved cars, loved driving. Um, that was kind of my thing, right? I got home from school every day and I jumped in my go-kart and I rode around a yard all night. Uh, that was just what I loved doing. My parents realized that. And, uh, you know, over time started, um, you know, moving up to different, you know, levels of, of motorsports and, uh, you know, been able to kind of live my dream out from there. That's so cool. Um, what is your favorite racetrack and why? I don't have favorites anymore. I don't have favorites. I used to have favorites and I realized I don't choose where I get to race anymore. I got to go to the tracks they tell me to go to. So I better love them all. <laughs> so oh, okay. I love them all now. <laughs> That's probably a good plan. Um, what is your most memorable race? Um, well, I think you probably got to go back to the 2018 championship. Uh, it's probably one of the most memorable races for me. Um, you know, just because what's on the line, right? The more that's on the line, the more pressure there is and you're able to succeed. Uh, those ones stick out. Unfortunately, some races that stick out to me are the ones that didn't go well <laughs> at the same time, right? The, those yeah. that you've learned uh, you know, that, that are so important, right. That help propel you into the next, um, you know, I guess the next level of your, of your craft, right. Is, is these mistakes that you make sometimes are the best opportunities that you can have. And, um, so I remember the bad races just as much because I've learned something from them to help me win later, but, uh, you know, they're, they're usually the good and the bad stick with me. 
uh, I just, I wasn't going to ask this, but Brittany, what is your most memorable race? Like you're the wife. I've also wondered what did these wives do as you see your husband's driving insane speeds? Like, what do you do during a race? Um, so typically now it, the races for me have kind of changed. Now I watch them a lot more from home with the kids, but I'd say, um, honestly, the 2018 championship, because we had our son Hudson there and he got to pictures of dad and we got to be there for the whole experience. And I thought that that was super memorable. He took pictures with Hudson inside of the, inside of the cup, which was <laughs> super cool. Aww. Looking at Maybe it right the now, right there's the a picture here. right here. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'd say that that was our most memorable for sure. Oh, that's so cool. After the after the race and you get out of the car and you know, just accomplish the biggest thing in the sport that you can that you can do, at least for that season. And you know, you get out, the first people you want to see is is you know your team and your family, right? Like the people that have helped get you there. And we couldn't find each other. It was maybe 20 <laughs> minutes after the race. We, we we at some point we walked past each other yeah. and we did, it's just people everywhere. And uh it was a fun night for sure. Oh, that's so awesome. Um, I did not even know you had this nickname. So, but how did you get the nickname Sliced Bread? Um, well, that's that's one of those jokes when you're a kid and, and I never grew out of it. <laughs> um, it's a, a joke between me and all my friends and, and we all had stupid nicknames growing up. That was as a next best thing since sliced bread. That was a joke. And um, and now apparently every time someone Googles me before an interview like this. That's one of the first things that pops up is is the spread nickname, and now it gets brought up all the time. <laughs> That's I always say I've been called a lot worse things than that too, so I kind of just I go with the flow at this point. <laughs> so one of our volunteers, I thought this was funny. She wanted to know: Has there ever been a speed at which you thought, "No, this is just too fast"? What was the speed? Where were you? And and where, why were you doing it? Um. Honestly, there has been, um, you know, just because I strap into a race car doesn't mean I'm fearless. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of safety precautions that are in, go into our race cars uh, that make them pretty safe. And and honestly, once you have a, a family, you know, of your own, right, when you have a wife and kids, your perspective changes a lot to where, you know, I used to do some pretty stupid stuff. <laughs> whether it's uh, in a race car, mainly outside of a race car is where I did most of my stupid stuff. So, um, you know, probably when I'm driving a four wheeler and stuff like that, now I probably check up a little bit more realizing that uh, I have a little bit more responsibilities than I used to have. <laughs> so uh, I think I've grown up a little bit because um, my wife always says it's, it's called an accident for a reason. So, that's right that's right stuck in my head all the time i gotta hear her in my mind i'm just saying his checkup his like definition of that is not what you and me are thinking right now like he's saying he's checking up but i'm just sitting here thinking what are you talking about when i see him out on that four-wheeler it is not i no <laughs> so <laughs> so do you feel unsafe like in a normal vehicle are you like there's not enough safety things around me. I'm used to being really safe and strapped in. Maybe a, just a seatbelt in a normal car, you don't feel as safe. It's definitely not as safe driving down the road. You know, the, the only difference is you're not driving all over each other, right? Mm -hmm. like for our race cars, we're bumping and banging. And, you know, there's a higher likelihood of crashing than there is going down the highway. Um, but if we do crash, it's a lot better situation, right? You got a nice seat, you got your helmet, your belts, you got all, all the safety stuff that you need. 
when you drive down the road, I mean, I, I can't help but to think about it every now and again. That car's coming right at me the other way, you know. And, and if you're going 50 one way and the other car's going 50, that's a hundred mile an hour impact. Uh, that, that's a big one. And and I don't have that much around me, uh, it, really at all. Um, an airbag and a seatbelt, and so that that concerns me. I feel a lot safer on the highway than I do going down back roads a lot of times just because there's cars coming at me and all it takes is one moron looking at their cell phone you know is and they start texting or, or reading something or scrolling social media and next thing you know they're in your lane um yeah. that, that's one of the, the scariest things i think today uh driving on the streets for sure wait till your children start driving oh, oh i can't imagine that whole oh. new level of worry and concern um <laughs> So who is your favorite driver to compete with? Like, who do you really like to get on the track with and go at it? None of them. I don't like any of them. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. It's true, though. You know, it's, it's funny. You there, there has to be two sides of your personality, right? There's a competitive mode, which is, it's honestly that. It is that I'm not out there to make friends. I don't really care about anybody else when I'm out there. It's about winning and, you know, doing my job and, you know, representing my sponsors and, and my race team and, and, uh, and honestly helping hundreds of employees try to achieve their bonus. Uh, you know, that's, that's a big piece of my, my job. Um, so going out there to, to be friendly and enjoying uh, competing against others isn't what I do. Um, now, that attitude, you need to shut that one off at some point because if you get out of the car, you can't be that way in life. Uh, so Brittany helps me with that and uh, and flipping the switch when I when I get out of the car and realizing uh, what life is really about. Um, you know, because you can get so zoned in on the task, right? You're whatever that may be. You get so zoned in and, and you just want to win so bad that you kind of end up blocking a lot of things out, um, which in ways is a good thing, but if you can't shut that off, it becomes a really bad thing. And so, um, like I said, Britt helps me a lot with, with keeping things in perspective a little bit for me. Yeah. I feel like the wives are kind of sometimes the unsung heroes because they probably have to hear it all and have to pull you, you know, calm you down. And that, that has to be hard. So um, thank you for it, Brittany, for what you do in his life. Cause I'm sure it's not easy um, from your, you got a way harder job than me. I promise you. <laughs> If anyone here is listening and, and has kids, you know, <laughs> it's way easier for me to go to work than it is to stay home and try to keep kids alive for a couple hours. <laughs> That's right. Um, what is the physical toll on the driver? And when do you think, when does it become too much? And you're just like, I mean, I don't even know what it would be like to be in a car. And I mean, maybe you need to describe that because I just have, I, I don't know how y'all do it, but I'm sure it's physically demanding of you guys to be able to do that every week. Right. So, I mean, with our cars, you know, we take out a lot of the creature comforts that you have in your car that you drive down the road every day, right? The air conditioning, the radio, just the comfort stuff, right? It's, it's bare bones, um, makes it faster, right? Mm -hmm. if, if we carry around all that extra weight, it makes our car slower, uh, and so, as you can imagine, when you take that stuff out, the temperature goes up a lot. You're turning, you know, 8,500, 9,000 RPMs, uh, you know, in the engine. That creates a lot of heat. Um, you can imagine through the exhaust system, through the uh, 
you know, the oil and water temperatures are very high as well. All that heat radiates through the car. Um, you know, so you're, you're inside the cockpit temperature is a good rule of thumb is you're probably 30 degrees warmer, maybe 40 degrees warmer than the outside air temperature. So on a 90 degree day, you're looking at 130 degrees inside the car uh, and you're in there for three and a half hours. So you're, you're in a sauna um, and, and you're working and you're not just sitting in a sauna, right? You gotta, you gotta work. You have to be, um, you know, competing and, and figuring out how to make your car better, how to pass the car in front of you, how to work the strategy of the race. There's a lot of, uh, you know, different things that come up. And if you lose that focus for a half a second, you're in the wall, right? That's where it becomes dangerous. Uh, so being physically prepared for, for all of that, and also mentally prepared for, for the, the battle that comes your way every Sunday, uh, you know, becomes ultra important to, to be successful out there. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, so now we're getting on to questions about um, Lisa D's. And I, I wanted to know from you guys, like, why is it so important, first, that you give back? But then why did you choose foster care? Because I think every NASCAR driver has something they focus on. And um, y'all have chosen to choose, or y'all have chosen to focus on foster care, which is so special to us. But why, I mean, is there a personal story there? Like, why did y'all choose foster care? Well, I, I think, you know, for me, living a life of generosity um, really started when Brittany and I started dating. Um, because I, I talked a little bit earlier about how one track minded I was about just win, 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 win. That's all I cared about. And like I said, I didn't have perspective in life. And once you realize that there is a way bigger thing you can do than just win. And that whole thing kind of opened up for me is Brittany asked me one day, and this one always sticks in my mind. She goes, when you're on your deathbed one day, do you want trophies around you or do you want people around you? And my answer was both, because <laughs> I think you, I think <laughs> you can do answer. both. You can, That's a good answer. You can, you can use those trophies to do something very big with, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and if you don't, they're just empty cups, right? This is, there's nothing in it. But if you, if you use the platform that God's given us to, you know, reach a lot of people, um, you know, whether it's supporting least of these or the others that the Joey Logano Foundation works with, um, or just inspiring others to live a life of generosity. That's a big piece of our mission. Think about the platform that, that we have every weekend, the amount of people that we can talk to and, and inspire, right? Think about every morning when you get your cup of coffee and you go through the drive-thru. If that person's in a good mood, it affects your day. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if we have the ability to do that on an even larger scale, uh, you know, we would, it would be horrible if we didn't take advantage of that opportunity. Um, and Brittany's really helped me with that. Um, and it's taken us, you know, I think a few years to understand what we wanted to support the most, right? Because at first we're like, this is great. It, it becomes a contagious attitude immediately. And, oh, we want to help here. We want to help here. We want to help there. And we kind of had to figure out where, where does our heart really set? And, and wh- what do we want to, you know, feel like we can make a big impact with uh, what can we shine the a light on the most? Um, and we felt like foster kids, um, you know, is is something that we feel like is it touched, need, us. It touched us for sure. We yeah. needed to shine some light on something like that. 
Um, and you know, and these kids that they're born into a situation, right? It's not, that's, it's not their fault. It's right. not, but I mean, it's a situation that, you know, we, it's, it's not fair, right? Life's not fair in a lot of different ways. And to me, I feel like, you know, in a lot of these situations and, and listening to these kids hear their stories, uh, it's heartbreaking um, that they just need someone to put their arm around them, right? And tell them that they, they matter and that we care about them and we want them to be a contributing member of society. That's, that's, that's the goal, right? Is to, to really be able to, 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 at the end of the day, be great at whatever they choose to do, right? It, it being great parents and taking the lessons that they learned from, uh, you know, great foster families, um, you know, all the way through to, to use that to help the next generation. Right, and it took working with organizations like you guys for us to realize that. Because at the beginning, we always said second chances, second chances. That's what we wanted to do was provide people with second chances. But like Joey said, we realized that these kids weren't even given a first chance most of the time, you know, and a, a chance is just an opportunity and they haven't been given any of these opportunities that could change their trajectory in life. And so if we could just be a small part of that, and then like he said, be that kind of beacon of light, that lighthouse that's there for them, that, that guides them and inspire others to join us and shed light onto organizations like you guys, um, because I know you guys use the donations and the money so respectfully that a lot of times it's not used towards marketing and getting the word out there. So all these kids and families know the resources that are available. So if we're able to just provide that in a little way, then I think that that's one of our, our main goals. Well, y'all have been so great to us. And Caitlin, will you go get my phone off of my desk? I need it because I need to I need to share something with y'all. And I remember I left it in there. But um, just to share, y'all have helped us the last couple of years um, with what we call Bridge Camp. And camp uh, Bridge Camp is for kids that are in foster care, have been adopted. And a lot of times these kids, they, that's kind of, you know, summer camp is an extra thing. And so it's probably not a thing that maybe foster parents can afford to do. And so you guys have been so great to, to give us the funds so that we could have this great camp. Um, it's like the Disney world of camps, I say. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, and I don't even think I've shared this story with you, but just this year, um, the very first year we had camp, this little girl came and she was in the smallest cabin. And, you know, our cabins, they, you know, we go from eight to 18 years old. You can come to our camp. And so um, I just remember her and I would say people looked at her as unadoptable. She had been through um, many placements of where she thought that was going to be her forever home. Her social worker has probably changed 14 to 15 times in her lifespan and she's now in her teens. Um, and I was so glad to see her on the list that she was coming to camp again. I hadn't seen her in a couple of years. I was really sad that she was still in foster care because really she shouldn't be. She's um, but unfortunately, in foster care, when you're a certain age, um, everybody wants the cute little babies, but everybody forgets about the teenagers and how much they need to be loved. And she's um, she probably has some behavior issues. So I'll just throw that out there. Um, but if somebody had said they were going to love me forever and adopt me and then change their mind several times, I think that I would have some behavior issues as well. So, um, but anyway, so she came to camp and she gave me a big old hug and um, she came to me over the week and then would just talk to me and she said, um, I feel like trash. And I was like, oh, sweetie, I don't want you to feel like trash, but 
I said, well, tell me why you feel like trash. And she said, because nobody wants me. And that's what people do with trash. And um, her counselor that weekend, um, and this is all because of you guys. That's why I'm sharing it with you. Her counselor that weekend, she came up to her and she's like, can you hug me every day? Like, this is a teenage kid. Can you hug me every day? Like my mama would if she was here, like if I had a mom. She was like, absolutely. So anyway, but fast forward, and I've told her story in a way that you don't know who she is on purpose, but fast forward. And because I've told that story just recently, a family has come forward and said, we want to adopt this girl. And they've been visiting with her. And so I don't know if all those connections would have been made. Maybe they would have without Bridge Camp, but in this young girl's life, because of Bridge Camp, um, I think she's going to finally get the home that she's been looking for. Um, and then I just wanted to read, we reached out to one girl that actually has come to camp several times and I haven't actually read this yet. So we are going to hear it for the first time right now. Um, she said, I was so grateful to have had the opportunity to go to camp this year. I can say that from a personal experience, camp can be life-changing. I went to bridge camp in 2019 and that was the first time that I had ever been to camp. I was very nervous, but there were so many people that were there to comfort me and make me feel comfortable with being there and to make me feel like I was safe. I still remember the first chapel like, like it was yesterday. I love the speaker and it stood out to me how passionately he spoke. I love hearing someone talk about um, Jesus, but also him coming from a similar background helped. When I came to camp, I did not know that it was a Christian camp and I was a Christian when I came, but I did not know what it meant to really be um, a Christian to love Jesus and follow him. The theme of camp was to be anchored and it really stood out to me because it was basic gospel message that at the time blew my mind and still does to this day. On the very last night of camp, I gave my life to Christ and I followed up with the decision to get baptized um, in 2021. Camp changed my life for the better, and I did not go into camp thinking that something as big as this would happen to me, but now I look forward to going to camp and hearing um, um, the speaker. So um, that girl, she, at, she camp has changed her forever, and um, without folks like you guys that give, because camp is expensive. Let me just tell you, it costs a lot of money, way more than I thought it would to put on a really good camp, but um, without guys like you and because of COVID, we had lost some of our funding for camp and it was like y'all just came right in there um, and helped us. And so I wanted to just share some personal stories um, of the difference that y'all are making. I think sometimes you don't understand the difference you're making, um, but I wanted to make sure from our perspective that you knew that um, it's not just a check to us. It's life changing for these kids to know that they are um, important enough for someone like you guys to love them, to do something in your world for them. And um, that's kind of our motto of our podcast is everybody can do something for kids in foster care. Even a NASCAR driver can do something for kids in foster care. <laughs> and so we just challenge people to find their something. And as we partner more with you guys, I hope more people will get involved in foster care and understand how precious these kids are. And really they just need somebody that believes in them and somebody that will love them. And just thank you guys so much for being on the podcast for just, but just for supporting us and supporting these kids. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's, those are fantastic stories. And, and thank you for sharing them. Uh, we, we say the same thing with our foundation all the time is that we get to hear those stories or see those stories firsthand. And 
all you can say is, man, I, I wish everyone can see the impact, the impact of what's happening right. at that moment, because right. it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You can't like I was saying when it becomes contagious is when you see the impact directly and, and things like this helps that um, hearing those stories helps that as well. Um, that, that you just, it's hard to put it into words and describe it, but it's, uh, it's fantastic to, to, to hear that and see the success stories because you said it as well as anyone. All I need is some love uh, a lot of times. And, and, and like I said, an arm around them and, and showing that you believe in them. And, uh, and that's what you guys do. So um, great stories. Thank you very much for, for having us on. And uh, um, we look forward to the next ones because there's going to be more stories with you. Absolutely. Guys. We're looking forward to camp in 2022. And hopefully... Y'all can come visit. Um, there's a zip line and so we would love to have you out at camp and give you a tour. And maybe you can meet some of these kids that you have impacted so greatly. That'd be great. We'd love it. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for joining us for foster Carolinas. And now guys, come on, everybody can do something for kids in foster care. What is your something?